The spring season is a time of extreme industry for a port city on the Ivory Coast like Lucinilli. Trade ships from all corners of the five kingdoms and neighboring isles crowd the docks and fill the city with new energies. This is around the time you, Chris Agrand, arrived in Lucinilli one year ago today, just a handful of weeks away from the start of a new season of the LUQ. The Lounge of Ultimate Questing is frequented these days by visitors from distant lands who have heard tell of the phenomenon of the adventure entertainment and wish to see parts of it for themselves, as well as unranked teams and hopeful applicants awaiting registration. It starts out as a lot of fun, very exciting, a social buffet of people excited to meet you, hear your stories and experiences, visit the local flavors, try new things. It doesn't take long for it to become a bit stressful, though. You know how people can be. There are nights where they actually have you running plates to tables, helping close the bar, cleaning up some of the messes on tables as quickly as they can so they can be turned over for new customers. You're uncertain how they roped you into it, but here you are. It's charming and honest work, but it grows tiresome. The comedy and musical duo of Christian and Isaac keep the energy high, and when you're not being asked to help run the floor, you too get time on stage to sing some of the new songs you've been working on. After a fairly exhausting week of this, you find yourself on the rooftop of the Lounge of Ultimate Questing after closing, taking in the fresh night air, unwinding. It helps. And then a voice reaches you from the stairs behind you. Chris, are you doing all right? And you turn to see Maven making his way to the top, kind of rubbing his hands off with a rag, having just finished closing himself. Oh, uh, uh, Maven, Maven. Yes, I was just thinking about... It's been about a year now. That's insane. It has been about that long since you showed up in town, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yes, it has. I, I... I don't think I could have asked for a better... everything. <laughs> well, it warms my heart to hear that you're satisfied. I don't suppose you got to experience the Maiden Song Festival last year. You would have been a newcomer just trying to get your feet under you. Uh, I'm rather ashamed to say. I heard the dying notes of the festival. Uh, at, at that time... I was just trying to stay safe. <laughs> that makes sense. A very smart move. Well, I apologize that we've been working you so hard this past week. We weren't expecting to have the team themselves work as staff in the bar, but Artyom spends time in the kitchen and you're on the floor charming people and increasing everyone's tips. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing. But because the festival starts tomorrow, I think you should take a couple of days off and just relax. Explore the city. Take in the sights. Oh, that sounds beautiful. I really would love to go to this party. Oh yes, it's a fantastic festival, famous all over the Five Kingdoms. All along the Ivory Coast, port cities celebrate the history of naval conquest, old mythology about Quainus, the Sea Maiden herself, celebrating famous ships and captains, and there's music, there's dancing, there's food from all over. Uh, you had me at dancing. I have not actually gone dancing, proper dancing, in I don't know how many moons. <laughs> well, come the morning, we'll expect you to not be around the tavern for a few days, so use the time as you wish. Unwind. Find yourself. Oh, I most definitely will. Well, I have a long day ahead of me tomorrow, so I'm going to go home. But have a good evening, and uh, just enjoy yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, will I run into you at the festival? If you do, then I have failed my job here. Oh, fair enough. Thank you for keeping everything aloft, as it were. It's what I'm here for. And uh, he takes off. And it's been a while since you've even 
seen much of your teammates. They're around. They all seem to be very busy. Arvid actually had to leave town because of a very troubling letter they received from home. And they took Morty with them because it's really good exercise. And it's just good to get Morty out of town whenever possible. Mm. And it would make sure Arvid didn't have to travel alone. But Artyom's been very busy doing their own thing, helping in the kitchen. And Harithax has been very sequestered. So you don't expect you'll have to uh, attend the festivities with any of your teammates. This is this is Christ time. Christ time. <laughs> so you head back down to your room. The night air follows you, and when the morning comes, you are free to set out on the streets on your own. And uh, that's what I'll do. Well, a day to myself. That'll be new. I don't really remember what life is like alone. But maybe not alone for too long. Let me see what my uh, trickster friend is up to. And uh, that's when he, you know, places the little... I believe the last time the amulet got fused with the coin. The little, mm-hmm. So he places that around the candle, just kind of reaches out and starts humming a little tune. Just like humming out his intention and hopes that he'll see the trickster again. Nice. Do you leave it there behind you, or do you take it with you? Hmm. I think it would be a good idea to uh, not leave this here, um, just in case I get a feeling or two. <laughs> Got it. So then before you go to bed that night, you leave it wrapped around a candle near your bed, and before you leave in the morning, you pick up the amulet and put it back on, mm. kind of setting the scene, dropping a trail of breadcrumbs, as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, when you go out into the street, you are met by very loud noises of crowds piling from the wharf and the rot ward northern towards the Five Guild Square. And you kind of get pulled into the crowd. It's all just one large mass of foot traffic. There's a couple of wagons and horses kind of parting their way through. But once the congregation makes their way to the Five Guild Square, it opens up and you can see brightly colored wool tents erected and all of these open stalls with uh, banners and flags hanging overhead, music filling the air from dozens of street performers in different corners of the street. The Five Guild Square is a very large open market, probably like six square blocks all out in the open. And uh, you smell food cooking over open flames. Um, Mm. You're competing with countless bodies for even a, a whiff of fresh air, you get some salt water immediately overwashed by just nearby sweaty sailors. Mm. <laughs> um, Sorry. Me, no, that's good. Uh, music and cheering are mingling over the open market, and a path is carved through the crowd, and you witness as a parade begins. Oh, a parade? Um, oh, oh my dear. I, there's a parade? Excuse me, sir. Is, is, is a parade? Is, is that what's happening? And this elderly gentleman puts his finger up to his lips says, I just watch. It's the maiden's procession. And uh, you see some horses leading off the parade, pulling these decorated wagons. And on top of the wagons, there are replica sailing ships made from like balsa wood and, and paper mache. Um, and they look like reenactments of famous vessels or people dancing around them, reenacting famous naval battles, legends of old recent acts of fame. After several of these ships come by, people shouting them out by name, like, oh, yeah, the sea bitch, Phoenix rising. Oh, yeah. And behind them, there are a group of swordsmen who are marching shoulder to shoulder, and they're twirling their blades in unison, kind of creating this sea of dancing silver, almost like the waves of the ocean. And after they pass this huge quadrupedal creature with warm red fur striped with tan 
uh, led by a group of handlers and tethers, joins in behind the parade. There's two huge horns and a short trunk. It almost resembles like a colossal, dense deer. And it's brightly painted to make it look like some kind of nautical monster of old. What is that? It's beautiful, yet terrifying. And a group of dancers finishes up the parade. You lost track of time. It's been maybe an hour since this started, but the bright colors and the entertainment have just kind of captivated you. But the end of the parade comes a group of dancers dressed in ribbons of silk with jingling golden rings um, that take up the tail end. And their voices begin to unite in a very bright melody. Oh my. Oh my. A figure dressed as a troubadour stands up on an erected wooden platform, shouting out to the crowd, and says, Ladies and gentlemen, one and all, welcome to the Maiden Song Festival. What would you like to do? Oh, (laughs) so I know Chris would do everything in his power to be a part of this. He doesn't know the history. He doesn't care. He sees music, he sees dancing, and he sees a chance to be a part of it. Certainly. So as the group of dancers kind of trails by, you do notice like a couple of kids come out into the wake of the parade and start dancing around behind them. And it seems like people are starting to physically fill in the gap that they left behind them. You're welcome to follow along and dance with them for a bit. Chris is definitely going to join it, definitely going to be a part of it. And he's going to start an unearthly chorus, enhancing the natural fervor of the the whole place and increase Mm. just the radius of charm and joy. Awesome. There is a lot of music and noise going on, but those near you seem to be aware of this kind of strange musical aura surrounding you as you watch the footwork of these exotic dancers and, and learn from them and imitate their movements and, and take part in the harmony they're creating. Oh, beautiful. And as you're following them along, you take in many of the sights of these interesting booths and wagons. You notice there's a lot of games happening. People are exchanging coins and getting prizes for, for playing in all kinds of open carnival games. There are people selling strange foods like you've never seen in Lucinelli before. Huge spits of meat cooking over fire with smells of like cinnamon and clove wafting over everything. There are exotic rare fish from far dark portions of the ocean on skewers. People are pouring from these large glass bottles, this this pink liquid. Uh, to us, it would look like a rosé, but it, it smells of lotus and cherry. Um, excuse me. What is that? What What is that? It smells... Delicious. One of the uh, dancers who is kind of wrapping up their performance kind of does a twirl and pulls one off of a counter and exchanges it in a flourish with a couple of copper coins and hands it to you and says, This one is on me. Your footwork is beautiful. This is lotus wine. Oh, cheers. And he takes a big, smooth sip. And in this heat, it is a wonderful delight. It is, it's floral. It has a nice bitterness to the finish it's a little bit bubbly too which is something you don't experience very much in these eastern alcohols oh what 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 is that it is it's like it's dancing on my tongue i love this city so much it's an import from gengetsu a delicacy oh i'm I'm sorry gengetsu a southern region of the free isles oh i think i need to go there someday it is beautiful and historic Please excuse me, I must catch up with my sisters. And she dances off into the crowd. Mm. Um, some of the games you see are, there are some children standing behind a wooden partition, and you see they're holding wands that kind of imitate 
the ones that a wizard would use. And there are these illusory animals just kind of dancing and floating through the air. And the children point the wands at them and things like bubbles and ribbons and confetti just kind of shoot out. And they're trying to like, it's kind of like duck shooting, but they're using these whimsical projectiles to strike these illusory animals. So Chris takes notice of this. And um, can there be a uh, someone who can't quite get the wand going? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, uh, there's a, a particularly young child who doesn't seem to quite get it, and you reach down very quickly and cautiously turn the round wand around the other way mm-hmm. and, and guide their hand to show them how it works. Oh. And this kind of pink spray of, of, like, this chromatic fire extinguisher foam shoots out, and he giggles in delight. Mm-hmm. Um, little, little child, what, what's your favorite animal? I like the monster that was in the parade. Oh, I thought it was quite beautiful, too. Close your eyes, and on the count of three, open them. Are you ready? Closes his eyes as tight as he can. One, two, three. So on three, Chris lets out a hypnotic pattern, and as he does it, he kind of writes in the sky. But instead of kind of entrancing someone into submission, he he's using his natural energy to excite and and induce more joy he makes this animal in the air kind of almost reverberating in the sky thundering and glistening and it Hmm. runs around the child before dispersing in fireworks interesting i'm gonna have you actually only an arcana check for this one okay all right (laughs) can i use my sorcery points to enhance this uh, do you have sorcery points that would specifically enhance this? <laughs> no. Um, okay. A natural 20! <laughs> Fantastic. So you somehow managed to use this this fairly offensive spell, one that literally robs witnesses of their agency and cognizance to draw them in, and you turn it into a very muted but amplified beautiful thing that almost fills up like a 20-foot area of sky with this big lumbering, dancing, transparent beast that sort of moves through the air, leaving an afterimage behind it with different colors drifting off of it. And all of the children stop playing and start cheering as they look up, uh, absolutely delighted by it. Several of the nearby adults are even like, some of them like spits beer out of their mouth in in surprise, but then a a hearty belly laugh follows after. (laughs) Uh, yes, yes. Let this be an amazing day. And a couple of the carnival workers like give you a, a pat on the back and a thumbs up. <laughs> um, you notice some other very inter- interesting games too while you're in this area. There's an, uh, another booth set up with a, what looks kind of like a pretty standard ring toss. But the statues seem like cylindrical versions of figures throughout history. And the more important ones are in the back and a little bit smaller, and the bigger ones are up front. So it's like, a, for a modern-day reference, you could say, you know, like, uh, Thomas Edison is worth five points, but in the back there's George Washington, and he's worth, like, 50 points kind of mm. stuff. Hmm. Where's Tesla and on this scale? <laughs> where's Tesla? Yeah, he should be the one worth the most. But, uh, yeah, you're not familiar with a ton of the faces, but you can recognize them from old coins or books that you've read growing up. Hmm. And one of the more interesting games you see is there is a ring that has formed uh, with people all around it. And many of them are hefting these like small silk cloth bags, um, kind of similar to what we would call like a hacky sack. Mm 
Hmm. And there is a young woman in the center of the ring who is wearing soft silk clothing kind of tied around her very tightly. She has a pair of wooden tonfa, one in each hand. And it seems like people in the crowd are exchanging coins with a couple of workers moving around and then attempting to throw these cloth bags at her and strike her. Uh, but she is just a dervish of movement, deflecting them with the tomfa. And when she hits them, they fly back out and some of the workers just catch them. Hmm. Oh, this looks rather exciting. Uh, excuse me, h- how much for this game? Uh, Pipitos. Pipitos? Uh, one copper piece for a bag. Okay, um, he, here. And he, uh, quickly, with a flourish in one hand, exchanges a coin for one of these hefty, it feels like it's full of some kind of maybe sand or soft gravel. Mm. Okay, so I, I just need to hit her. Just a regular toss. Uh, no weapons, no magic. Ah, uh, all right, all right. I'm, I'm game to play fair. And uh, he does a little cute little wind up and just chucks it. <laughs> cool. Just roll me a ranged attack check. A ranged attack check. Ooh, that is an eight on the die. That's a 13. But despite all that, <laughs> um, even with just a 13, uh, you managed to throw it at just the right time. And... This young woman is completely facing the wrong way. And to her credit, she does hear it coming and spin. And she misses it by just a fraction of an inch with her tomfa as it gently paths against her chest and falls to the ground. And she looks down with surprise because I rolled a one. You can see there <laughs> on her de- on her deflect. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Uh, I did not mean to hit you. She gives you a big smile and uh, then immediately commences her defense as more come pelting at her you kind of inspire a group to be like oh well if if he could do it we can do it and she's back in focus now and just knocking them out of the air and the uh the gentleman that you exchange your coin with gives you a hearty handshake it says well tossed well tossed and uh, reaches into his messenger side bag and pulls out this really lovely uh, little wooden fan um kind of folds open and it has a picture of this kind of opaque pinkish colored bird it kind of resembles a peacock, but with very long stork legs and large feathers on its head. Oh, oh. Here's your prize. Uh, th- thank you. It was getting rather warm. <laughs> he just immediately starts fanning himself with a flourish. <laughs> totally. It's 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 not like an expensive item by any means, but it's just a lovely little trinket. Then something catches your ear. Up to this point, you've been hearing a lot of different groups of musicians playing randomly. You know, you kind of wander from one performance to the next. But you can hear a group of several of them playing together. Almost like Scooby-Doo following a a smell trail in the air. (laughs) You're (laughs) drawn to this beautiful song. And uh, you see a much larger, it's not so much a ring like this one, but there's kind of an impromptu stage set up. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of 12 musicians surrounding it with stringed instruments, drums, flutes, and they're playing this very energetic, like, and uh, there's a, f- a pair of figures on stage. One of them looks like uh, a young woman dressed in kind of local colors. Maybe she she's a sailor on one of the nearby ships, light leathers, tied back bandanas and belts. Um, and she's doing a pretty solid sea shanty dance a jig but the other figure is a a very small alcaran individual shaved head a few tattoos on their body 
wearing just a few straps of linen. And the tips of their fingers and their toes seem to be on fire as they're doing this flourishing fire dance. And every now and then they'll stop and open their palm and a little gout of flame will shoot out. And it seems like they're competing with each other. Uh, sorry, you should see my face right now. I'm freaking the fuck out. Um, and in no time at all, it's very clear that this dervish seems to best this young woman in her attempts to outdance him. And people still cheer, but she's escorted off of the stage. And this paunchy little halfling steps out onto the stage and says, Who will be next to challenge Ezinir, the Free Isles Inferno? Chris just bolts. He's, I don't know if he can like superhero leap in the air and land on the stage, but that's what he's going to do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. A couple people like slowly start to raise their hands, but then you are just front and center, hand straight up, already like halfway over the partition. <laughs> and there's almost like a, a raucous laugh at your eagerness and people let you up onto the stage and uh, you turn and there is a crowd of a hundred faces staring at you. And you look to your side and you see this very small, focused individual uh, with their eyes closed and just this gentle inferno burning the tips of their limbs with his eyes closed. And the music has stopped. So we're going to move to another game map here. (laughs) Okay, give me a second to freak that out for a second because I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm so happy. Everything I've ever wanted. (laughs) Literally. So, um, mechanically, what is Chris's performance score? Uh, mechanically, Chris has a plus seven to performance. Okay, so for this, you are going to have a dancing defense of 17. Okay. That's 10 plus your performance bonus. We're going to do initiative, and we're going to describe the dances, and you're going to attempt to hit your opponent's defensive armor class. Mm-hmm. The first one to four hits wins the dance-off. Awesome. The pink flames will represent the Inferno, the Freyal's Inferno, and these the red on blue gem is going to uh, represent Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so go <laughs> ahead and on your character sheet, click that initiative button. Okay. Oof, that is a six. That's okay. So the drums begin to beat. <laughs> And then the high-pitched flutes and strings join in. Ding, 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 ding. Esnir, without skipping a beat, continues the performance he was doing before. You see he begins to twirl, and as he does, he leaves these circular ribbons, almost like in a, a slinky spiral pattern along the front of the stage that extinguish at just the right amount of rate to make it look like he's kind of leaving his footsteps behind him. Mm. He's going to attempt to strike your performance defense. All right. Uh, is it, is he actually, is it actually fire? It is. Yes. He's playing with real fire. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I rolled, I rolled another one, mm-hmm. which means, uh, on a one, um, you lose one of your own mm-hmm. and on a 20, you take two of theirs. Okay. Um, so he does in fact lose one of his own. So Chris is all ready to put on a show. So he sees the fire coming at him. And he instantly, like in a flash, reverberates and gets out his claw. And he taps the end of the flame and absorbs it into his claw. Ooh, cool. And then you kind of turn that into your own performance? Yes. So uh, 
when it comes to my turn. <laughs> uh, it's your turn. So Chris does does this dance, playing off his opponent. He's letting out the flame that he absorbed as a brilliant flash, and with that flash, he's, he glistens and reflects the light all around, activating his shard hide. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. So go ahead and roll me a performance check. You want to hit a 16. All right. I'm all kinds of ready. Ooh, sadly, that is seven plus seven. But I'm going to use a little bit of luck because it was so cool. That's a 22. All right. So as as Ezenir creates this kind of circling trail of fire that moves towards you, they seem so caught off guard by your ability to pull it into yourself and create this kind of personal firework show that they stumble for just a moment and fall back, landing with their back to the ground not having properly estimated the opponent before them. Uh, and that will make it Ezinir's turn. Doing a kip-up, Ezinir returns to their feet. You see, doing kind of a spiral, Ezinir leaps into the air, but instead of landing on his feet, he seems to impact the soles of his feet onto these kind of unseen surfaces, bouncing back and forth mm. a couple feet off of the air, moving upward. And they echo like he's playing invisible drums with his feet. These little gouts of fire burst out underneath him. And as he lands doing kind of a one-legged superhero land Mm. in an arcing kick, a kind of a wash of sparkles and hot cinders sort of pour down around you Mm. um, as he makes his performance roll. No, not good enough. You manage to bob and weave, and not a single one of them manages to touch you. When it comes to Christ... He's dodging, he's dodging, he's dodging, but then the tempo starts to pick up. He starts to flow a little bit more, and he's actually thunderstepping around him, around the stage. And then he, he, t- he calls out to his opponent and the crowd, let's give him a good show, and he actually inspires Ezinir. I love that so much. <laughs> That's wonderful. And uh, what would you like to do for your offense? Uh... So, so is Esnir on fire, like, still? Yes, um, like fingers and toes. So uh, as Chris's final thunderstep, he goes near Esnir and gently puts his claw on, on, on his back, his flaming back, and mm-hmm. then almost pulls out the flame just a little bit just, and releases it into the air. And with that, Chris unleashes an unearthly chorus, and the flames themselves look like they're singing. Awesome. Let's see that performance roll. That is a 17. That is enough to take another one of Ezemir's performance points. You are now well, well in the lead. You are three points ahead of your opponent. Uh, Ezemir looks down in shock as the flames crackling at his feet and fingers start to pulse and this sort of percussion starts drifting out of them and music starts to fill the air. And he furrows his brow, giving you a nod of both approval and caution and claps his hands together and begins to spin faster and faster, and the flame starts to spread up his elbows all the way to his shoulders, and then his entire body is wreathed in this kind of purple fire. He starts cartwheeling and dancing around you in tight circles, making a wall of flame, taking up most of the stage. He's going to attempt his performance check with your inspiration. Mm. And he still misses. (sighs) That is a, uh, yeah, that's a 14. Christ is absolutely inspired by his opponent, and he begins singing 
with his chorus, singing in Alcarin, trying to really resonate with Esnir. And with that, he does a sudden awakening in both of them, ready to bring this battle up a bit more. Um, awesome. So that is the bonus action. And on Chris' turn, Chris begins building little pillars of sonic energy, and they start to glisten, start to shine off of his skin, and he unleashes a slow build-up to this hypnotic pattern, getting the crowd wild up, riled up, getting Esnir riled up, riling up himself. Great. Uh, I would like you to make a performance check. Oh, uh, that is a 7 plus 14. What was the target? <laughs> Uh, your DC was 16 to hit. Okay, so that's a 14, and there's something else I can do to give me a couple points, right? Um, you still got luck. Yeah, let's just use a bit of luck. <laughs> what, what else am I going to do? I, I mean, you've been waiting for a music battle. Ooh. Unfortunately, not better. Mm, that's okay. Your flourishing sonic pillars create this kind of humming energy and glowing prismatic colors in the air and uh so as near you notice as they continue their spiraling twirling dance they have closed their eyes and are now performing completely blind their bodies still wreathed in purple flame crouching down for just a moment and leaping as high as they can into the air they part their arms and two purple wings of flame emerge from their back lifting him several feet into the air before he does sort of a barrel roll backwards and impacts with the stage, shooting purple fireworks in all directions. That's going to be an attack on you. What horrible rolls. <laughs> that 20 really set all the luck there. So that's coming in at a 9 with Esimir's attack. Mm. Just can't seem to touch the amount of magic that you weave so easily. Mm. These are these are just parlor tricks compared to your sorcery. Mm. On Chris's turn, he's actually going to turn away from Esnir for a second and and face the crowd, saying, "Just sing, give me your love and your joy, and we will make this battle dance." So he's just trying to evoke more. What am I trying to say? You want them to lose their shit. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want, I'm, yeah, you know, you know what pop stars do? They like address the crowd and like, yeah, we're awesome. You're, you're milking it. Yeah, I'm trying to milk this moment. Absolutely. So with that. Yeah, they've been watching Esmir hand people their asses all day and you're so aptly turning all of his effects away that they're flabbergasted. Chris, after all, after all this, he feels that inspiration and it wells up inside of him and the crystal gem in his chest glows bright, unleashing a flash of heroism. Okay. Chris has no fear, and he is ready. Go ahead and roll. Oh, that is a 15. That is a 15. Do I want to use my last bit of luck? Or do I have crowd inspiration from um, the bracelet? That's L-U-Q specific. This okay. is just a carnival. <laughs> okay. I was just like, I just need one point. <laughs> You're not on cam right now. Oh, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a real shame. Well, instead of the crowd inspiration, if you want to burn it, you can have used your bardic inspiration on yourself. That's right. I can do that as a bonus action, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's... Let me... 
So you're you're using the crowd as your own inspiration for yourself. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Great. So you can add a d6 to your roll. That is a three, so that definitely hits. All right. Uh, with the crowd now completely starting to cheer and shout in favor of this this thunderous dancer, um, you see Esamir starting to lose their steam quite a bit. Their energy is weakening. They're starting to feel the defeat setting in. You think this is going to be their final gambit. Oh. Come on, make it good. Make it good. And with that, Esamir starts running around the edge of the stage, moving with incredible speed. Up to this point, these have been some pretty minor illusions, but there's something more happening with this. As they begin just dashing at an incredible rate, almost running laps around you in the stage, and you can feel the floor underneath you getting hotter and hotter. And then Esamir vanishes. You're not sure if it's because they've left this place or they're just moving so fast for a moment you can't see them. Mm, And then the stage becomes washed in purple fire as Esamir explodes out of the center, almost like a living firework. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) The fire burns away your sonic pillars. It torches your hypnotic pattern. It clears the air, leaving these little tiny cinders that look like butterflies floating above the stage. His fire has been extinguished, but he's on his feet, sweating, hands together, staring at you, pacing back and forth rhythmically to the music. Mm. This, is, this will be your, your final go. Okay. For the audience, that is a 25. Oof. So Chris really feels this blow, and he's really taking this moment. He lets himself get wreathed in the flame, get wreathed in his own emotions. For a split second, he goes inward, kind of makes a a slight pact with that dissonant part of himself now. He Mm. really wants to give this everything. He lets himself be consumed by fire before igniting the entire area with thunder and magic and brightness and brilliance. He gives off a heightened shatter. And when this shatter goes off, the sonic energy messes with reality itself, and it looks like a phoenix erupting from the egg of reality. Cool. I like that very much. Uh, let's see that sweet, sweet performance roll. All right. With with a little bit of luck and some inspiration, that is that it's a 22. All right. So as the music reaches its apex... And Esamir uses up the last of their magical fire to create this sort of explosion. From the ashes of the destroyed parts of the stage and the burning remnants around you rises up this sort of transparent ethereal bird of thunder that spreads its wings out. And you can see the sheet music go blowing in every direction. Several hats get knocked off of the audience members. And there's just sort of this cacophonous arc of energy that spreads out, rattling people in the saddles of their horses and making the nearby tent canopies flap and blow banners get torn off of their poles and then the music goes silent and uh, when the energy clears uh, you see Esamir on his back laying still struggling to climb to his feet and then there's a long confused silence and then the crowd starts cheering at the top of their lungs throwing copper and silver at the stage Chris walks slowly and calmly toward Esamir helping him on his feet he eagerly accepts your hand and kind of goes from a pole up to shaking your hand, and you hear them say, My old friend, Lady Gessley, she told me of the Dancing Thunder. 
I did not think I would get to see it in my lifetime. You honor me so much. That was magnificent. You're the great one here. This day is yours. And he gives you a bow and then holds your hand up over his head as the crowd begins cheering again. And from this point, Chris just gets absolutely high on the love, the the music, the energy from here. You are poured drinks. You are pulled from one spot to another. People clapping you on the back, listening to your stories. And before you know it, it starts to be late evening. There are stars in the sky. And you've just had this exciting, wonderful day at this carnival, spending some more time with this Esimir fellow and some of his performance friends. Esimir, while you're sharing some drinks, comes to you and says, Do you know why they call it the Maiden Song Festival? No. Why? There is tell that if you listen carefully, far out towards the sea, you can hear a beautiful sustained note for three days coming from beyond the horizon. The cities are too loud, but there is a place near Lucinilli called Brightwater Bluff. If you were to go there, I think you might be able to hear it. I have not done it in many years, but I will never forget it. Uh, sounds like that's the place for me. Oh, and, uh, I have to go there. And with that, you do. You are easily, the crowd parts as you try to leave. You sober slightly as you take the walk through the rot ward and out the city gate and you've been to brightwater bluff before this is where nearby where you liberated lord edinburgh's old family watchtower to recover their crypt blade since it's gone under quite a bit of reconstruction Um, but you walk for the better part of an hour and a half to get outside of the city limits and there up on this long stone partition that looks like an overlook people can literally come here to stare at the ocean and watch the ships come in And it seems very quiet. Everyone is in the town themselves. It seems like not a lot of people practice this part of the tradition anymore. And you make your way out all alone. You can still very, very faintly hear the lingering music from the city below you. And as you focus, listening as hard as you can, something hums in your chest, a single note that seems to respond to the constant energy that flows inside of you. Mm. And for a moment, it becomes you. You feel yourself pulled all the way to the horizon, traveling along this note, this sustained, you can't tell if it's sharp, if it's flat, but it's, it's beautiful and haunting. It scares you. It's like the edge of a knife. Mm. And something kind of snaps you out of this trance as uh, you hear a voice behind you say, Christ, it's been quite some time. That was quite the performance you did back there. No. Did you know I was watching? No. 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 This is a dream. This has to be a dream. This is a dream. You turn and you see Gastille. Gastille? You you scared? How dare you? And Chris just throws his arms around him, hoping hoping that he just won't move away. And after having scared the shit out of you, Gestiel lets out a huge laugh that echoes out over the bluff. <laughs> I would have sworn you knew I was watching as you danced on stage with that tiny man. <laughs> you scared me half to death! <sighs> Where have you been? I've, I've missed you so much. I've been near and far. I've been quite busy, actually. <sighs> would you like me to show you something? I'd like to show it to you very much. Uh, You can show me 
anything. He uh, fishes into the pocket of his open vest and uh, pulls out a tiny fragment of a clear gem and uh, holds it out to you. And it looks extremely familiar. It seems to hum with the same energy that you feel in your chest at any given time. It says, I found this very, very far away. It reminded me of you. Where did you find this? I'd like to show you. Yes, yes. Uh, Anywhere. I would go anywhere with you. Very well, then. And he turns you around and faces you towards the sea. You can feel one of his hands on your shoulder. And he says, kind of gesturing for you to look out over the water on the horizon, says, all you have to do is follow your heart. He places it into the palm of your hand and shoves you over the edge of the cliff. Hmm. You leap out into the cold night air. The splatter of sea foam and misted waves catches you off guard. It almost feels like cuts in your skin. The beauty and majesty of the ocean is quickly replaced with the opposing reality of its unflinching might, and one of the endless crashing dark waves takes you and pulls you under. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey, all you cuties. It's Law, and I just have to say how goddamn jazz we all are for all the support we've been getting from our devoted listeners, new and old. Our growth has been very exciting. And we want to keep climbing that ladder and showering down more and more LUQ as a result. One particular group I want to thank is our fantastic patrons. Our newest legendary is Christopher Mashburn. Thank you so, so much. You're now on the Iron Rhapsody team. And the other teams are the Moonlight Vale, the Tavern Brawlers, and this week's featured team, the Cultured Cutthroats, with Zancam, Jeff Ammons, Jack Phillips, and Isaac Davies. If you join the Patreon, you can get access to things like magic items, maps, class builds from the show, character sheets, and bonus content. If you're a Legendary tier member, you'll also be added to the Patreon Legendary team and have your name used as a character in the show. Now, if you are a Legendary tier patron and haven't had a character added yet, keep in mind that we haven't recorded a normal session in a few months due to stay-home policies. And if you're on this list and want your character to have a specific name besides the one you have on your Patreon account, please let us know by messaging us on Patreon, reaching out on Discord, or email admin at slapdashstudios.com. If you visit theluq.com, you'll get links to all of the aforementioned relevant places. Something to keep an eye out for is I'll be donating my DM time to a charity called The Trevor Project, which is an incredible program that helps at-risk LGBTQ youth. We don't have the official copy or links to share yet. I wanted to give you all a heads up that if you've always wanted to play in a one-shot LUQ adventure with me as the DM played online, be on the lookout for new info. 
I hope you've all been enjoying the one-on-one games we've been recording so that we get to play while we're separated and make sure you all keep getting new episodes every week. They were a lot of fun to do, and I know it's a slightly different format, both narratively and technically, but I think they're good stories to tell. Anyway, I'll let you get back to the episode, but we all love you very much. Are you in a fight with the world and losing? Can't stand the city life anymore? Fuck the land. It's time to get out on the sea. You ever see someone sad on a boat? Fuck no. What's the secret to happiness at sea? Seamen. They live the dream. They get wet and salty and they fucking love it. Seamen. There isn't a boat on the sea that isn't full of semen. They dance jigs. They'll jig all fucking day. You ever heard of a concertina? Do it and try not to jig. Seamen. Call today. Join the big loads of semen rocking hardwood vessels into the sunset. We'll come to you in a boat. We'll get semen everywhere. Semen on the shore. Semen on the poop deck. Semen in your mom's bathroom. We'll unload a whole galleon of semen. If we have to grade them, we'd give them a C. Semen. Call today. This ad is sponsored by the Leonin Ivory Coast Navy. Join today. Protect your kingdom. Serve the crown. Semen. You awaken drenched, clinging to the shore of a rocky bank. As you regain consciousness, you feel a tapping at your head. A small gray bird is gently testing your hair for insects. As you look around, you find yourself in a somewhat murky pool of water, roughly 20 feet across. The heat is thick. You're startled to find you're surrounded by animals. A group of horned beasts bends their long necks gently to drink the murky pool you seemingly emerged from. A pair of large hunting cats paces nearby the water's edge. Large, colorful birds with long legs hold still as they wade. You are not in Leone anymore. And as you come to, you feel the sharp press of a shard, the tiny gem that he pushed into your hand before shoving you over the cliff. No sign of Gastille is around. Oh, God. Ow. Castile, what did you... Castile? Castile! No response. Okay. Um, where the bloody hell am I? Uh, You get up and squeeze a little bit of murky water out of your robes, and it seems like you're in a fairly open, dry savanna. Off in the distance, you're not sure what direction it is. You see some mountains and what could be a forest. Ah, oh, uh, which way do I go? This for- forest? What? What is this thing? Place? Uh, did I hit my head? And uh, go ahead and roll me a perception check if you'd be so kind. Will do. That is a five on the die, <laughs> and um, uh, it's probably not good enough. So yeah. <laughs> You, you don't get a super good feel for your surroundings just yet. You're still a little disoriented. But you do notice that there's a little bit of like a, a small pulse of energy from the palm of your hand. Uh, so it, it kind of itches, this, the thing in the palm of my hand. And then mm-hmm. Chris looks at it, and um, is it glowing a little bit? It's not glowing. It seems to be kind of spinning slightly. Mm. Um, it keeps stopping facing towards you and then it spins again and faces another direction and it kind of does a few counterclockwise rotations before it ends up pointing in a direction towards the mountains you see well 
it's my best lead, so I will go towards these hideous, scary, monster-filled mountains, I guess. <laughs> you walk for the better part of an hour, crossing the savannah. You see more of these packs of herd animals off in the distance. Everything seems to be giving you a fairly wide breath. Nothing's too startled by your proximity. Um, you draw fairly close to a group of small little rodents that seem to be standing on their tippy toes looking out over the landscape. And when you get near, they all dash and vanish into hiding holes in the blink of an eye. Oh, this cute little creature. Don't, don't run, don't run. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take long for your robes to dry off in this almost oppressive level of heat. And following the point of this strange shard, you eventually enter a very lush and massive jungle of old gum trees, towering ferns, just buzzing with wildlife. What? I don't think I've ever seen this. I just need to keep going. One foot in front of the other. Okay. Right. And your fine party dance shoes are starting to wear thin as you start to feel rocks and burrows under your feet and roots from nearby trees. Mm. Uh, there's a rainbow of parrots that seem to pepper the canopy, just echoing their songs through the trees. And there are swarms of buzzing insects that fill the air. Some of them are quite beautiful, but many of them land on you for a moment. Some of those tend to leave little bites. Mm, uh, I won't, won't smack you. I really want ow. <laughs> you also notice a few serpents hanging from low branches, and occasionally a small mammal will leap from tree to tree. Oh, I just you stay there, but you come closer. <laughs> I'm going to have you roll me a survival check. Oh, dear. Okay. That is a 12 plus 1. 13. That's not awful. Uh, you manage to keep a trail under your feet. Uh, you don't get too turned around. Having this little strange shard compass guiding you seems to help. But it is a very long walk. You've lost track of time. It's still day, despite the fact that the canopy blocks the sky above you. But uh, the heat and the activity of the animals tells you this. After maybe a few hours, you enter a clearing in the jungle. It seems to be very old and overgrown, and you do in fact find an actual path made of scattered flat stones that are well sunk and grown over. And arranged through the center of the clearing, you see six stone structures that stand about 20 feet tall at the top, though some of them have been broken partway up. And they're covered in decades worth of vines and flowers. But peeking through, eyeballing the shapes they create, you think you can make out what looks like large, half-human, half-animal spirits. Possibly some old religious symbol from an ancient civilization. What? What are these? They're majestic and terrifying. So Chris just kind of inspects them even closer. He's, he's kind of enthralled by these, these things. Sure. Yeah, you make your way out into the clearing, and it does seem that the, uh, the shard wants you to keep going, but you stop to pause and study these strange pieces of art. I need you to roll me a dexterity saving throw. Oh, okay. Ah, sorry. That is, that is a total of seven. Nope, that is, that is okay. Um, so as you get close to one, you notice this one in particular looks like it's almost a humanoid made of like dozens and dozens of little monkeys all kind of like clung together and each of them has little holes carved into where its mouth and eyes are and as you get near it you hear kind of a rushing of wind for just a moment and then as tiny little darts come shooting out of it 
you manage to duck and cover and run a bit, but several of them do in fact strike you before you get clear of their path. Oh. Um, and you take 14 poison damage. Oh. <laughs> no. No. It's pretty good rolls for 3d6. Oh, God. All right. I'm down to 24. <laughs> but with your momentum, you manage to make it clear of the statues and the other end of this clearing. Oh, God. Who said art wasn't dangerous? <laughs> and you quickly realizing there could be threats here, make your way out of the clearing um, and start at this point to see what you think is the edge of this jungle you've been hiking through for several hours now. Okay, okay. One fun from the other. Stay away from beautiful art things. Keep going towards this murderous mountain. <sighs> okay. And uh, the rocky hills that you see before you must lead all the way to the coastline. And you start to recognize some land structure. You have a hunch that these are probably the Namari Mountains. They're connected to the Gem Coast. And if you traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles to your east, you'd eventually find Den Mazir. Uh, your guiding stone points you north, though, and it seems to start vibrating the closer to the mountains you get. You hike for a few more hours, making your way into a dry, rocky ravine, getting heat exhaustion and more of these bugs and just dry skin but very carefully keeping your footing underneath you as you descend these stone switchbacks. Well, not knowing what's going to happen, he just readies that shard hide. Might as well. Absolutely. Um, and while you're making your way down this kind of steep rocky face, I'm going to have you roll me an athletics check. Ooh, okay. Doo -doo -doo. That is a 17. Wow, very good. No. Oh, no, that is, sorry. That looked at your roll. <laughs> That's a 22. Oh, even better. <laughs> Was that athletics or acrobatics, just to be clear? Oh, I looked at acrobatics. Athletics. Okay. That would just be a 20 with athletics. Still great. You notice that some of the rocks under your feet start to give way, but you manage to hang on tight and find some clear footing. You have to pin yourself to the wall to avoid falling down this little rock slide. And uh, as you look down below you and see them tumbling down the hill, a hand reaches out and catches you by the forearm and pulls you back up to your feet. And you look up to see the sharp jaw and tawny complexion of Gestile, who chuckles to himself. This is a little bit out of our element, aren't we? And Chris just, like, uh, purposefully trips a little bit closer into him. He's like, uh, hmm? uh, uh, a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he chuckles at that. And he hands you what looks like a red animal fur water skin. Mm, thank you. <clears throat> Whew, I needed that. I needed that. As you uncork it and pour it down your mouth, you pause and cough for a minute as an extremely strong alcohol washes down your throat <coughs> instead of some fresh water. <coughs> you could have <coughs> warned me. <clears throat> You're right, I could have. Hey, we're almost there. This way. And he will take your hand and help lead you down the cliff face. Watching him walk down this rock face is like watching someone walk down the sidewalk. Hmm. His footing is so sure that it's not even a concern. Uh, always showing off, aren't you? So uh, as he does that, Chris is, does a little running dash and just thundersteps. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and you both make it to the bottom of the ravine at about the same time. You're just kind of appearing in a cloud of thunderous energy. Mm. Um, it does echo out through the canyon, though. Um, you uh, see some large birds flap up into the sky and... Uh, seems like they were resting in the rocks and they've been spooked. 
Uh, sorry. Sometimes I just get a little, uh, carried away, shall we say? He seems unfussed by it. He's like, doesn't matter to me. Scare all the buzzards you want. <laughs> and he uh, leads you further into the ravine, and you start getting closer and closer to the center of this canyon. The rock shapes seem unnatural. They're strange. And as you move further and further, you realize that the reason they look so strange is that there's a large cracked crater in the earth. And the air here seems to be moving very quickly, like something is stirring up the wind. And it almost smells like that tingle that's in the back of your mind when a thunderstorm is brewing, but the sky is clear and cloudless. And he gestures for you to stop. Mm, and what? kind of peers over the edge. Uh, are we not going in? Just be careful. And as you peer over the edge with him, you look down into it, and scattered through the cracks of this crater, you see tiny little fragments of this clear bluish crystal sticking through. Oh, oh dear. He says, there's a very strange magic lingering here. It wasn't here before, so we should be cautious. Uh, sorry, but what do you mean before? I've been exploring, finding interesting things on the material plane to pass the time. I came near here, and something, shall we say, smelled like you? Hmm. <laughs> I, I hope that means good. It piqued my interest regardless. Hmm. I'm going to have you roll me another perception check, if you would. I kind of hope I, I lose it because I'm just beaming ear to ear. But that looks like a 18 total. That's very good. You're trying to focus on this strange kind of strong wind that seems to be circling in the crater. And you notice some of these little tiny shards of crystal are actually lifting up into the air and there's a static spark and then they vanish and you just focus on this being as cautious and quiet as you can and you realize very small figures made of air itself like like wispy clouds with limbs are appearing in these tiny sparks of electricity and grabbing these tiny gems and fluttering upward on the wind and then vanishing do you do you see that he kind of narrows his eyes a little bit and says, Yes, that's... that's curious. What... what could it be? They look somewhat like wind elementals, but it seems like they're harvesting. Harvesting? Um, maybe I really should tread lightly. <laughs> and, uh, you notice several more little sparks of energy appear in the air, as though at any given time before you saw maybe two or three, but now there are dozens, and they're starting to swirl, and the wind gets a little bit stronger. They all drop the little shards that they were carrying, and they start to swarm, kind of like a, a group of bees would, moving in unison in a circular pattern. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I don't know either, but that can't be good. It seems like they were here collecting pieces of whatever that is. And as he points down into the crater, he then follows that up by pointing to your chest and says, or whatever that is. And at that moment, Chris just closes his robe a little bit and kind of grips it a little tighter. And with that gesture, you see the swarm of these tiny air creatures sort of form like a tidal wave. And then they begin to rain down on top of you. I need you to roll initiative. <laughs> okay. How did it do? It did uh, 13 plus 3. Nice. So these swarms of creatures all begin to move towards you. It seems like they're almost like sniffing at the air. 
Something about you has drawn their attention. Ah, uh, Castile. He seems to be ready for whatever happens, but there's also a, a very big smirk on his face. Whatever this is, it's fascinating him, and he is delighted to have something entertain him for a period of time. You don't sense any fear. Um, these creatures, uh, the f- three in front of you, are going to let out some electric arcs. So they're going to roll to hit you. One, two, three. You're looking at a 19, a 13, and a 6. Uh, so the only one that could hit me is the 19, but mm-hmm. I can shield it, correct? Uh, you can still use shield, yeah. Yes, then I will I will use a shield to kind of... Yes. And that'll bring your AC up to... I should know this because I use it all the time. <laughs> That's cool. So it's normally it's 17 with your shard hide, right? So, yes, so it's yeah. 22 total. Yes. Great. Perfect. Um, yeah, these little tiny arcs of electricity all shoot out from inside their bodies. They look like tiny clouds with six limbs, like six different tiny arms and little beady glowing eyes. And mm. from their little cloud bodies shoot out these little, little gouts of lightning. Mm. And two of them are going to attempt to blast at Castile. Castile, watch out! They both hit. Mm-hmm. They roll shitty damage, but he takes some. And now near a dozen of them are descending down towards you. They all seem to be focusing on you, but they're definitely not ignoring this tall fey adventurer to your side. And on Castile's turn, he turns his kind of low chuckle into a deep melodic hum, and you kind of immediately feel it, like, shoot all the way through you from, like, skull to kneecaps, just like a quick little tremor. Oh, man. And uh, he hits you with a healing word. Ooh. Uh, healing you for 11 hit points. Ooh. Very good. Almost a full. <laughs> and uh, it looks for a second like it concerns you because he, he falls down onto his knees and hands. Um, and you're not sure if something knocked him over, but then his body begins to twist and the tattoos on his chest begin to grow darker and darker and his body cracks and shifts into the shape of a large dark canine um, with a skull for a head. What? When you first met Castile, he took the form of a skulled fox, but this is some kind of great wolf. And he snarls under his breath. Seems to be wisps of shadow drifting off of him. And that will bring us to Crist. Crist is definitely shocked for a moment. He doesn't look at Castile in horror. He just looks at him like as if he's just happy to see another side of him. (laughs) Like fucking sick. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Crist still hears kind of Castile's voice and starts to reverberate with him, getting, getting in that battle mode. And, uh, but he looks really conflicted. He hasn't run into these wind elementals before, and, and, and this place is as sacred as it gets for Crest. Just mm-hmm. It's new and beautiful and magical. Uh, he doesn't really want to kill them, but he thinks he has to. So he reverberates, and I would like to move away from Gastiel. Sure. That's my move, right? Yeah, you have... Up to 30. What's the range? It's 10 feet, right? Yes, is 10 feet. Cool. Yeah, that's a safe spot. So just move closer to hit both of these guys. Uh, you'll want to be at, at least this far away. That's where I'll be. But yeah, that's a, that's a much safer spot. Yeah. So Chris will feign a charge at this wind elemental. And as as he approaches, he's going to actually thunderstep away. 
into more closer to this crater, I believe. Cool. Yes. All right. As Chris does a silent thunderstep, uh, he appears behind this further away crystal as guard to both inspect it and just shield him. Totally. And it's basically just like a blade of glass that's sticking up out of this crater. Mm. Uh, so let's roll some damage in this. What's the saving throw they need to make? A constitution saving throw. Okay. Um, so we are looking at an 18, a 15, and a 12. And my DC is 15. So two of them make it, and then you can roll your damage. Alrighty. 3d10 plus reverberation. So that's 21 plus, wow. plus my reverberation, which is just my charisma modifier, I believe. So that's another four damage. 25 damage. All right. So... One of them takes the full amount, and the other one takes half, which would be 12, which is once again halved because these creatures have resistance to thunder damage. Oh, of course they would. <laughs> but the pure might of your sorceress magic, you can even tell when it hits them that for a second they kind of expand and soak it in. Two of them survive, but one of them just explodes. <laughs> like it takes in too much and pops like a balloon. And the other two left behind still look pretty hurt, like overextended. Oh, oh okay. I, I, I think I have a plan. Castile, Castile. All right. Does that end your turn? That ends my turn. Back to the harvesters. So they immediately in midair do a tactical shift, rotating their path. And they're going to begin they have a fly of 40. So several of them are going to be able to get near you. And they're like a good 10 feet off the ground. They're just kind of hovering over you. How far can this little fella get? 40? Yeah. So this many are going to come over here. And the other ones are going to start moving in on the big skull dog. Okay. Uh, so you are going to get four of their little lightning arcs at you. Woo! Uh, Dodge them all. A, uh, one of them is a 20. Oh. These are all plus four. Oh. So there is a 17 and a 20 are the two highest. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind being hit. I'm just trying to decide if I want to absorb the elements. It's definitely your option. It gives you that resistance for the turn, so you would take half from both. Yeah, yeah, definitely you're to absorb elements. Absorb it. Try to do the, you know, parry cool. block your... with the claw. Yeah, yeah, you turn it, like, into a lightning rod. Yeah. Uh, just mark down the first level spell. Yes, that is two first-level spells cast and one-third. So instead of eight lightning damage, you take four. All right, I am down to 31. And now you have a D6 of lightning humming in your little fingertip. Mm. Uh, five of them are going to shoot out at Gastille. Uh, that is two hits, and he takes six more. Next up is the big dog. And he still has access to his magic in his wild shape. Uh, so he's going to leap a good solid 10 feet in the air and just snap out at this thing with the sharp jaw teeth of his spectral skull and crit. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, so he's going to deal it like 22 points of piercing damage. So he leaps in the air and catches it midair in his teeth. And as he brings it down, it just pops. And you see some shadow, like, shoot out from the holes in his skull. And as he lands, he kind of fades into the earth and then misty steps to over here. 
Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and just kind of re-coalesces out of the cracks down in the crater. That's so and cool. pauses for a moment to sniff the crystal. That brings us to Christa Grand. Okay, if you're game for something weird, I would like to use Sudden Awakening and infuse the absorbed elements into this crystal to kind of as a beacon, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. maybe it'll pop later. <laughs> hey, I like it. Um, why don't you roll me an Arcana check? Okay. I'm scared, too, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've used... Wait, is it a new... Well, did I rest? No, I didn't rest. So I'm out of luck. No. Yeah, no more lucks. You used them um, for an awesome dance-off. Can I say that I, I had this brilliant flash of inspiration to inspire Absolutely. myself? Absolutely. Okay. As a one-person game, there's not many others you could use inspiration on. Yeah, I just you've, had this... you used two so far, I think. Plus the D... Wait, what was it? Is it D6? 16? Wait, plus uh, Arcana? And... Great. Mm-hmm. So that's 21. Great. Uh, so you relinquish the lightning energy in your claw as you treat this crystal like it's a life form and it responds to your call. It seemed like it was it was dead and lifeless before, but as you touch it, a little bit of you pours into it and it starts to hum the way the crystal in your chest hums. And several of these little creatures seem to turn their eyes to it and it starts to kind of crackle and spark with this electricity. Mm. And that's all for my turn. That's all I can do. Well, I can, can I slink away? Probably not. You will provoke if you try to move away from those little dudes. I will not do that. <laughs> yeah, they're all up on you. Um, so I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five rolls real quick. Oh, they rolled pretty good. Two of these creatures are immediately drawn to this crystal. They immediately stop attacking you, and they just sort of cling to it, sort of like a bug zapper. They take a little bit of lightning damage as it courses out into them. They, of course, are somewhat resilient against such things, but they seem to be unable to look away. It is drawing in all of their focus. And the three around you are just going to... They're actually going to descend and, like, land on you and start pecking you with their little cloud fangs. You realize their heads are actually somewhat bird-like when they get up close. Whoa. Um, So we're looking at a 22 and a 14 and a 4. So one of those connects... Um, do I get anything? Oh, I do. So I'm going to absorb elements at a higher level. Uh, You don't think this attack is going to deal electric damage. They're just literally hitting you with their beaks. Oh, okay. Then I will just, just begrudgingly take it. (laughs) Uh, Seven points of piercing damage as it rips just a hole open in your shoulder, starting to claw at you. And it can, you can tell it's like trying to get inside of your robes. Ah, no. Down to 24. And as they move in close to each other, you can see like little sparks of electricity move from one to the next. Like being in proximity with each other kind of bolsters them. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, That makes it Gastille. Um, He, that is to say Gastille, as the skull canine, runs up to the top of this canyon and lets out this cone of energy and this kind of bark. Um, which hits these two collectors or harvesters right in front of him. And they're going to make me some con saves. That is a success and a failure. The success takes half. That is plus five. So 17 is halved to eight, which is enough to kill. So uh, these two just sort of blink out of existence Hmm. as this sonic energy emits from this hound and strikes them. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. That will end Gastille's turn. 
and return us to Crist. Hmm. So as they're like pecking at Crist, he's blindly trying to swat him away with one hand and feel for the crystal in the other. Uh, and he finally managed to, to get his hands on one piece of the crystal's structure. And with that, they start to, to hum and harmonize. And, and that's what's amping up his magic a little bit. But he's gonna he's gonna thunderstep away. <laughs> ah, very good. At a, at a high at the highest level he can do with the sacrificial smite. Great, that sounds awesome. All right, so it's the same saving throw. So uh, one of them made it; the other three failed. Okay, so that is four d ten plus four plus three d eight. Nice. So that. See the 40 tens, 3d8, plus 4 is 38, um, and I also take the 9. Yep. So I'll go down to 15 and move. I need to measure this, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure I can get, like, right near Gastiel. Oh, yeah, you got plenty of range to get over there. Yeah, I want to be right near him. But I, we haven't talked about me being able to hop on his back in this form, so let's just be <laughs> next to him. <laughs> Understood. So when you explode out in this thunderstep, the gems that were embedded in the ground around you all explode into shards, and there is another crater created that pa- mimics the pattern of these other two craters perfectly. What? And the harvesters that were around you just explode into dust. And you can feel as these little shards start to float up into the air, the wind is picking up more and more. And more of these little sparks of energy start to appear above the craters, making additional harvesters emerge. And the ones that were flying around attacking you start to fly to the center. And you notice they're all starting to form kind of a spiral pattern, buzzing around each other very uniformly like like jet fighters and sparks of electricity are shooting from one to the next and then they remain constant and these energy waves start to pull them in together um. and there over the top of the crater the group of them merge together and re-manifest as this large bipedal hovering elemental of dark stormy energy with hundreds of these little tiny glass shards floating around it in like a little vortex um, Gastiel, I, um, why do my plans always go wrong? And I'm going to have you and Gastiel roll me constitution saves as it lets out this massive cone of thunder and electricity. Oof. And for Gastiel? That is a nine total. Oh, he has advantage on saves versus magic. Uh, he gets a 15. The DC is 14. So you're going to take full, and he's going to take half. It's 11 thunder damage and 17 lightning damage. Oh, so if I use absorb elements, I have to choose one, right? Yep, that's correct. Yep, uh, let's half that thunder damage. Oh, I okay. think, no, I think I still die. Um, that would bring it down to eight, so a total of 19. I'm at 15. Um, is there anything else I can do? That's a good question. I'm so sorry, Gastiel. Okay, so my reaction is to use the regeneration then. 
Okay. That will drop you instead to one hit point, and you feel like you thought you had a pretty good tap into the world of thunderous energy, but you are pulled into a true storm, unlike any you've experienced. And not only is the thunder bombarding your chest and forcing air into your lungs and making your bones and skull rattle, but then arcs of lightning start blasting into you, cooking your skin away, singeing your hair. Before the darkness takes over, there's a small blue light inside of you. You explode into a dome of these jagged, sharp spires of crystal. And that is uh, how much damage? Six plus five to, oh. to Gastiel? Um, that is... So yeah, it's level. It's level. Your sorcerer level plus your charisma. Yeah, yeah that is six. sorcerer level six. Yes, plus my four charisma. Yeah, and then the charisma again for the reverberation. So that's another four. Okay, so fourteen damage to the wolfus. Sorry. And it does let out quite the yelp. the The crystal falls away, and you're standing there, robes just cut to ribbons, bleeding, singed, hair smoldering, but remaining alive. <gasps> Um, that will make it Gastille's turn. He lets out a loud yelp as these crystals pierce through it, and he looks back at you, and despite the fact there's no flesh on his face, you can see a hint of hurt betrayal. No. No. No, no, but then no. he charges down into the crater and leaps out, attempting to basically dive into the mass of this living storm, teeth first. And he seems to somehow impact something and is now tangled up in the storm, just gnawing and kicking his feet, biting as hard as he can, fully 20 feet off the ground. And that will bring us to Christ. Oh, oh, so many emotions. Christ is still thought, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, I'm sorry. And those are his healing words, which are echoing off the walls and healing both Gastille and Christ. So I twin-spelled healing word as my bonus action. Oh, okay. So, and I'm going to do it at my last highest slot. So that is... Um, so that's 40, 44 plus your charisma mod. Okay, 44 plus 4. Alright. That is a 12. Wait, uh, plus 4. So that's 16. Alright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were both healed for 16 hit points. Okay, so I can cast another spell as long as it's a cantrip, right? That's right. So uh, after the healing and the tears, he just looks resolutely at this mass writhing storm and looks dead at it and where he could attune to where his eyes are and says, I'll show you the true storm. And he lets out a frostbite right at its face. (laughs) What's the range on it? 60 feet. Great. Let's see the saving throw. Uh, you are looking at a 19. Ah, uh, yeah, my DC's 15. So I think yeah. it's just nothing happens, right? Mm-hmm. Cantrips are all or nothing. Damn. Guess he showed all me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this living storm is now tangled with this face spirit wolf and just starts pounding into it with his fists. And it looks like there's a little nebulous of light at the center of it like where its heart would be, and the wolf's teeth are latched around it, pulling as hard as it can. And you see, like, pieces of shadow and bone falling away as this massive pair of fists are just slamming into the flanks of this dog. Mm. On his turn, he just pulls with his mouth 
as hard as he can. And you see him rip out little chunks of these twinkling stars from inside of this creature. And it lets out a roar as its body begins to slowly dissipate, holding itself together, but struggling to stay alive. Hmm. And starts floating down towards the ground. That makes it Chris's turn. <sighs> Chris is really frustrated that that frostbolt missed and he sees Gastel trying so hard and he just lets out a leave him alone and with that like his voice getting higher and higher and higher he's going to augment a shatter and I'm trying to decide if I want to twin it or make it silent no I can't twin it I can only make it silent that's my last sorcery point so yes I see so with my last with my last bit of sorcerer's might, my voice screaming higher and higher and higher. So loud that probably Gastiel, only Gastiel can hear it. So I'll be right, hearing about right. that later. <laughs> he just shatters the uh, the area around this mass. Okay. Um and I will my willing I think Chris is definitely willing to sacrifice himself. There's no limit on the baneful Line of baneful is there? No, it's once per day. So I'll just do two yes. extra damage. Okay. The two extra damage combined. Yeah. Roll it up. Roll it up. That is a nine plus two. All right. Eleven more damage. So as this creature's glistening nova of a heart is ripped from its chest and its body is beginning to fall apart, suddenly this huge thunderous burst explodes from the inside of it outward, and you see it re-segment into these tiny creatures that all get shot out in every direction. And all of the crystals surrounding it in the crater all shatter into a thousand pieces. And it seems to dissipate. Tiny sparks of electricity fill the air as each one gets banished back to its home plane, one after the other. And for a moment, it's raining these tiny shards of crystals down into this crater. But they don't hit the ground. They stop in mid-air while they're falling. And all of them follow a swift and perfect trajectory and collide with Christ. <gasps> and you black out. And when you open your eyes, feeling as though no more than a moment has passed, you're standing with the green moon above head on Brightwater Bluff. And you look down to your chest, and where once there was a crystal the size of a fist, there is now a spread the size of an open palm. And you hear the sound of music and merriment from down in the city below. Oh my god. That was brilliant. Thank you. I hope you had fun. Uh, we'll do our actual outro. We've been trying to remember to do that. Um, first of all, my name is Law. I'm the DM of the League of Ultimate Questing and the creative director of Slapdash Studios. And you guys should just give him a round of applause right now. Seriously. Seriously. That episode was amazing. I loved literally every second of it. All the one-shots <laughs> have been a lot of fun for me. <sighs> and I'm the ever-excited sonically Alante who plays the amazing Chris Sagrand. And yeah. Wow. Um, I forgot in the last one because I didn't actually outro myself, but a big thank you to Tori for editing these episodes as well. Notorious. Thank you, Tori. And of course, Zach for his share of the editing. Thank um, you, Zach. Please, 
Yes. Uh, we have experienced a pretty fun growth in the past few weeks that we want to keep the momentum going on. If we can keep moving forward, it's very big things for us. We keep bouncing around in the top 50 of the U.S. gaming podcasts. Mm-hmm frequently entering the top 20, which is quite exciting for us. So if you don't have any friends you've offered to share this podcast with yet, please consider doing so. Obviously, we're doing something right, and we <laughs> want to share that fun with everyone. Um, and uh, thank you for listening. Like, seriously, thank you, everyone, everyone who's listened now or from the beginning or wherever you are. Just, you're awesome. You are. This has been great binging season, so we can see those kind of numbers playing, and it's really fun to have people join our Discord and talk to us about it. And speaking of our Discord, we would love it if you visited theluq.com. You can get links to all of our social media. You can check us out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We post a lot of memes to Facebook. And you can join our Discord server as well. Um, while you're on the page, though, check out our Patreon. You can get cool rewards. Like if you want to play a Crystalline Sorcerer like Chris, that's a Patreon reward. You can get those numbers. If you want to see the magic items that the team has, you want to look at their character sheets, you can download maps that I've made for them in Photoshop and use them in your own home games or Roll20. Uh, that would be awesome. All the support we can get, we love. A big thank you to all of our legendary tier patrons and all of our patrons for that matter. Yes. Um, you guys keep the show going. Thanks for bearing with us while we're doing these one-on-one episodes. So if there's any kind of change in audio quality or pacing, it's just because we're changing format to keep with the stay-at-home safety. Mm. And hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> and until next time, we, we wish, wish you luck. luck. Bye. <laughs>